Good morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. It's great to be here with you today. If this is your first time here, this is this is what we call Last Sunday, the last Sunday of the month. We have online-only services. I've been on the road for ministry reasons for the past couple of weeks, so it's great to be back with you online today. And again, if this is your first time here, we're, we're, we're so thrilled to have you worshiping with us online today. Let me start us off with a question. When is the last time you were afraid? Something spooked you, right? The jump scare, right? Maybe somebody intentionally scared you. I love to scare people. <laughs> I do. I love it. I, I'm the guy. Amy will sometimes be coming down the stairs and I'll just, for no reason, right? I've just decided I'm going to hide in the corner. And she always knows it because it's too eerily quiet. And she's like, Andy, I will not come out here until you reveal yourself. <laughs> right? Every mar- every good marriage needs a spouse to scare each other at some point, every once in a while. You need this in your life, okay? Right? When's the last time you were afraid? When's the last time you were act like really afraid? Maybe not of like a thing, but of what you just weren't sure what was going to happen. You were worried or you were stressed. Worry is really just a, a form and version of fear. Anxiety is a version of fear. It's the fear of being out of control. Right? And your anxiety just begins to, it just gets the better of you. When's the last time you were afraid that you were, that you were, you were fearful? We're going to talk about this today. And, and I want you to hear this because we're, we're talking about leadership. I preached uh, several weeks ago about Ananias in Acts chapter 9. And he, he is answering the call, right, that God gave of him. And he changed the city and he changed the community. He literally changed the world because he said yes to God. And we're going to continue this conversation a little bit today. This is, these are some messages that have been near and dear to my heart. And today's message is answering the call to lead. And whether you realize it or not, every single one of you who is watching has, a, has been given a degree of leadership. Everyone has a measure of leadership that God has given them. Even if it's just self-leadership, self-governance, managing your own life, that is a measure of leadership. Some of you are married and you have a home that you're caring for. That is a measure of leadership in your, in your family, in your marriage, with your children, if you have kids, right? If you're at work, if you have a job, you have a degree of leadership, a measure of leadership that God has given you. Everyone has a degree of leadership. How do you step into it, especially when you find yourself afraid? Because every great leader finds themselves in a moment where they're not sure what to do. They're not sure the step to take. They're feeling all kinds of weight, all kinds of pressure. What do you do? How do you answer the call to lead, especially when you find yourself afraid? Turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. And before we we get into it, I'll give you just a little backdrop here. You know, Israel, uh, the nation of Israel has just finished up a 400 stint year of slavery in Egypt. 
uh, Moses, for the Pharaoh, the 10 plagues, if, you're, if you recall the story. That's all happened in Joshua's lifetime. When you read the book of Joshua, you see Joshua as an adult and as a, as a man leading Israel, but we forget that he was a kid right, in Egypt. He's one of the few people still alive in the book of Joshua who saw all the 10 plagues, right, who witnessed all of it, who walked out of slavery, who was once a slave and now free. He's one of the, one of two people, right, in the book of Joshua who can say that they had still experienced all of that. One of two, Joshua and Caleb. He saw the Red Sea being parted by Moses, Got to see Israel walk through on dry land. Experience the Ten Commandments. And he also wandered around the desert with Moses and all of the Israelites for 40 years because of other people's sin and other people's doubt and their choices to not trust God, their faithlessness. He was Moses' assistant. And the backdrop here is that Moses has now died. And it's Joshua's turn to lead. Joshua chapter 1 verse 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Moses is dead. Not that we are reading actual newspapers anymore, but, you know, this is headline news, okay? You know, this is your Facebook tab. If you, if you read news on Facebook or if you've got a news aggregator, this is the top of the list, okay? This isn't the obituary section where you're kind of just gingerly making your way through the newspaper and you're like, oh, well, oh my gosh, so-and-so passed away. No, no, Moses, the great fearless leader, has passed. What happens now? Who to claim? You know, everyone knew Joshua would be next in line, but you know people are wondering, like, is he going to is he gonna follow in Moses' footsteps? Is he going to be as good? Is he going to be as grandiose? What's going to happen here? There are questions, and it's headline news. Joshua has the responsibility of filling Moses' shoes, and we're talking about over 2 million people that Joshua is in charge of leading to cross over the Jordan River and to step into the promised land. How do you think Joshua felt? I'm going to tell you how he felt. He felt afraid. (laughs) And I can say that with confidence because of what we're going to read in the Bible in just a moment. But guys, ladies and gents, as you're watching, don't read the Bible and remove just human emotion and human condition from the equation. Think about it. You're the number two assistant, right? You've been following Moses now for years, decades. God has moved miraculously, literally miracle after miracle, jaw-dropping miracle. But now Moses is dead and you're to take the helm of leadership. Do you not think that Joshua is intimidated? that he feels the burden of authority and leadership. And yes, he's an accomplished leader and he's a tremendous leader, but it doesn't change the fact that he's also a man and he's human. Joshua 1, 5 through 6, 
As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, Joshua. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them. Why does God tell Joshua to be strong and to be courageous? Because everything in him doesn't want to be strong and courageous. And he needs to be reminded. He needs to literally be given courage in this moment. Every great leader needs encouragement. And yes, you need encouragement most specifically from God Almighty. And you've got to be able to go get it. You've got to get in your word. You've got to pray. You've got to hear from God and be filled by the spirit of God with the courage of God. Be strong and courageous, even though you're afraid. Joshua 1 verse 7, literally just the next verse. What does God say again? Be strong and courageous, very courageous. Be careful to obey all that my servant Moses gave you, all the law Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. Keep this book of the law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If we backtrack to De Deuteronomy, we see before Moses dies, he's telling Joshua the same thing. He's literally saying, I'm going to die. But when I do, be strong and be courageous. And then he passes. And what does God say? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Obey the law. Don't wander from it. Meditate on it. Keep this thing in your heart. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You've got this. Do you know why? Because I'm with you. Love that. Joshua 1 verse 18. The people of God, not God, not Moses, the people that Joshua is leading, they say, whoever rebels against your word, Joshua, and doesn't obey it, whatever you may command them, they'll be put to death, right? Only be strong and courageous. Now, they might have got a little ahead of themselves right here. <laughs> If, if somebody doesn't follow what you're saying, they're going to die, right? They're, they're going for it. What are they doing in this moment? They're instilling confidence in their leader. In other words, they're saying, we are with you. Be strong and courageous. Lead us. Lead us, Joshua. We're with you. There's only one reason the same thing would be commanded of, and, and uttered and said and spoken and reiterated so many times to Joshua because Joshua is afraid. He's a great leader, but great leaders can still be afraid. They can still be working through things. And if you're going to answer the call to lead, if our church is going to be the church that God has called us to be, then there is a tension that we are going to have to walk in answering God's call in the midst of being fearful at the same time. I don't mean to say that you're shaking in your boots. I just mean to say that if we're going to answer the call to lead, you're going to have to step into areas that are uncomfortable for you. 
You're going to have to step into areas that, that, don't, that don't always excite you, right? There are going to be things that intimidate you, that make you uh, even stay up at night a little bit. Oh, you want me to lead that life group? Well, I've never done that before. And, and oh my gosh, Pastor Andy keeps, you know, he keeps asking me to lead the breakout or to pray out loud. And I, I'm not good at praying out loud. I've never prayed out loud before. He wants me to join a service team? Oh my gosh, what am I going to, you know, and the list goes on. Start that ministry. Lead that ministry. Join the worship team. Get better at your craft. Lead. Answer the call to lead. Our church is not two million people plus. I can't imagine the weight and intimidation in that moment. But there's still a call to lead. And every one of you has it. I don't mean to say that everyone leads in the same capacity or has the same leadership gifting. But what I am saying is that every single person has a degree of leadership and God is calling it up and calling it out. And every leader at some point has to look fear in the face and make a decision about what they're going to do in spite of it. Past three years for me have been, I'll be honest with you, they've been tough. They've been hard for a lot of different reasons. And some of you have heard some of this. Some of you have heard it, for the, you're hearing it for the first time. I want to give you some context of me trying to lead and choosing to lead and yet also working through my own fears at the same time. Without getting into all the details of it, during the pandemic over the past three years, my, I had a family member who had a drug-induced psychotic break, duct taped my grandparents together, literally in their living room, and chose to club them with a, with a golf club to near death. The neighbors heard the sounds, came over, called the police, you know, and they were barely rescued, barely alive. It was a hard time, as you can imagine. I found out on social media, right? I found out by reading a story. The headline news of my little suburb in Eureka was that an elderly couple had been attacked and near death. And if you know anything about my suburb, like that's not the kind of thing that you would normally associate with this area of St. Louis called Eureka. So I click on it and it's my family. That's how I found out. And what, what, what transpired was me taking over care for my grandparents. And my grandmother, she, she didn't really bounce fully back. She passed away, right? And my grandfather, getting him transitioned to a nursing home and all the things that go with it. My dad's not alive. My uncle's not alive. And I'm next in line for trying to care for my grandfather. And it has been hard. And I don't say that as a sob story. I say that for context because what I was afraid of and still have to battle in my own soul is being a disappointment. I feel like what I'm doing is never enough. I feel like, and it's true, that I don't really know what I'm doing in this moment. How do I care 
for this person from Atlanta who lives in St. Louis, God, what do I do? How do I make this happen? What decisions need to be made? I'm not really sure, but God, it feels like 4,000 pounds on my shoulders. Lord, what do I do in this moment? I'm afraid. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of being a disappointment in this moment. That's how I felt. And you might be saying, that's illogical. That doesn't make any sense. But it's how people feel. It's what we carry with us. And then at the same time, you're trying to lead a church through COVID and through not having a building. And if you're familiar with our church, we rented an elementary school. And understandably so, all the public schools had to tell everyone that was renting on the weekends, no more, no longer. And so... We didn't have a home for a long time, and we were meeting outside in the Georgia heat for church. And if you are here and you are still here, can I just also say thank you, right? That needs to be said. Like, thank you for being with us. Thank you for sticking it out. And what you should know that as we're making decisions and praying and seeking God and being bold about it, there's also just the realities of leading in an uncharted, unknown area that's fearful. God, are we going to like are we going to make it? And we have and we did and we're going to, but in the moment you don't always know. You don't always know how to feel and how to, how to move forward and all of these things. And so, you know, you, you're, you're sitting here and you're like, God, we need a building. But I don't want the church, I don't want the church to think that I'm the kind of pastor who only cares about a building. We've seen that in Western Christianity and Western context way too many times. And yet we also know that sweating our brains outside right? Or not having room for kids, right? For high point kids or, or room to expand for worship and, and a stage and all the things. We also know the realities that you need a space for church together. We do. And so these are the realities. God, God, how do we do this? What decision needs to be made? Lord, we need more money. We need to be able to pay. We need to be able to buy. We need this. But I don't want to be seen as the pastor who only talks about money. I know how people think about church and pastors and money. God, I don't want that. God, I don't want to be seen this way. And there's a fear. Anytime you're going to answer the call to lead, you're going to face fear. And you're going to have to face it and you're not going to just, it's not just going to go away and then you get to somehow lead or, or somehow then you step into things. It's you choosing to lead and choosing to trust even when you feel afraid. That's what it looks like, church. That's who we get to be. God has called us to lead. He's called you to lead to some degree. There is leadership in you and on you, and you are going to have to face fear in order to step into what God has called you to step into. It's one thing to talk about leading in the midst of fear. Like that sounds nice, and we see, you know, Joshua doing that. As you read the book of Joshua, my man gets after it, and he leads the nation of Israel, and it's powerful. But we don't have like all these things broken down. 
What we see is that Joshua meditates on God's word. We see Joshua being obedient. We see Joshua being prepared. All of these things are, are qualities about him and his leadership that you and I should take note of. But the thing that we see God saying to Joshua is what I want to highlight here the most. And this is why you can lead in the midst of also being afraid. What is it that we see God saying to Joshua over and over again? He says, be strong and be courageous. And that sounds good and that sounds nice, but why? Why can I be strong and why can I be courageous? How can I be courageous? Many times God follows this up. Either, either he says it on the, on the precursor or he says it on the back end. And he, what is it he says? He says, I'm with you. In fact, in Deuteronomy 31, 6, when Moses is talking to God and he says, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God, my paraphrase, for the Lord your God is with you. You don't have to be afraid because God Almighty is with you. This is the promise of God. And oftentimes as Western Christians, you know, we, we are removed from this idea of the promise. And yet, and yet the promise, promises of God are so important and we see them weave through all of scripture and the ultimate promise and the ultimate fulfillment is literally Jesus Christ himself. He is the fulfillment of all that God has promised his people. And when Joshua is hearing God over and over again, we see the scriptures, be strong and courageous, be very strong and courageous for the Lord, your God goes with you. He's with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The Bible says this is what Joshua is told. And so he has a choice to lead and trust the promises of God, that God will be with him. And I know that sounds overly simplistic, but this is faith. Faith is simple. It's not complicated. Do we trust God in his word or do we not? And when God says, to those who are stepping up for his kingdom and for his glory, and we're answering the call to lead, and yes, we might be a little bit afraid, do we remember and do we recall and do we trust that we serve a God who will never leave us, who will never forsake us, and who is always with us? And by the way, one of Jesus's names, might I add, is Emmanuel, and what does it mean? God with us. Also, what is, what is Je Jesus's name in Hebrew is Joshua, right? In the Greek, it's Jesus. We see the, these two names coming together. God saves. Yahweh saves. And in Matthew 28, as, as Jesus is leaving, and he's ascending to heaven and he's giving the disciples the great commission, the mission that he has given to them in the same way that Joshua has received the mission to lead Israel into a place of rest and into the promised land. The disciples now are stepping into this role 
that Jesus has given them. And while they're not stepping into Canaan and leading people into Canaan, they're leading people into a new promised land, a new place of rest. Not a physical rest, but a spiritual rest. And as Joshua stood at the river Jordan, I love this. Joshua, hundreds of years prior to Jesus, he's standing at the Jordan River, getting ready to step into his calling, into his ministry, into his mission. And he's grown up seeing for 40 years in the desert, might I add, the presence of God showing up like a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of smoke during the day. He's seen the power of God. And, and, and here we have Jesus. Hundreds of years later, he finds himself at the Jordan River. And he's getting ready to step into his ministry and his mission. And what do we see God the Father saying to the Son in the same way that he spoke down to Joshua as well? He says, this is my Son who I am well pleased. In other words, I am with this man. This is my guy. Joshua, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. This is my son who I am well pleased. Oh man, I love the imagery. And what do we see at Pentecost as the disciples accept right, the power of the Holy Spirit in the same way that the pillar of fire showed up? Right with, uh, during Israel as they're wandering the desert and preparing to step into the promised land and into a place of rest. And as they accept the mission of God, the disciples experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does that power look like? It looks like a fire ascending on the heads of everybody there at Pentecost. Whew. Reminding them that, hey, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. This is my son who I am well pleased. And by the way, my well pleasing son is now living inside of you by the power of the spirit, making you new. And that thing is a seal, a guarantee, a deposit of not only my presence, but of what's to come. You can have confidence in all that you do, in everything that you step into, because I, the mighty God, the almighty one, am living inside of you, and my promises do not fail. They don't fail. God hasn't let you down. He's not going to. There's no track record of him letting you or me or the church down. He always shows up. This is the God that we serve. This is the promise of God. This is our destiny and purpose as a people to trust him, to step up, to lead, to let God use us in powerful ways inside the church, outside the church, in your home, with your family, and at work. And you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be discouraged because the Lord your God goes with you. He goes before you. He's on the front side. He's on the back side. He's on this side. He's on that side. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That is the promise of God. And that fills us with faith and hope. And 
And that's why you can answer the call to lead. And God can change a city, a community. He can change the world through you. But you've got to trust him. You have to choose to trust him. Father, I thank you in this moment. Lord, for your precious promises, Lord, that you will never leave us or forsake us. God, that you will uh, never abandon us, that you love us with an everlasting love, so much so that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, Lord, to die on a cross for our sins. God, and then if that wasn't good enough, Lord, Jesus ascends to heaven and he gives the gift of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells on the inside of those who have put their faith in you, Lord. And it's a reminder at all times that, that you don't leave us, that you don't forsake us, that you love us, that you're with us. You are God, Emmanuel. And God, I pray that you would remind us of that today as we answer your call to lead. To lead your people. To lead our homes. To lead at work. To lead. God, help us. We thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen, church. It's great to be here with you today. Answer the call to lead today by trusting God's promise that He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. He's with you wherever you go. See you right here next week.